Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create sheer reality in a way that's true to yourself. I have great passion around how the private sector and nonprofit sectors come together to help lift society. My guest and friend today shares this deeply. Wearing many hats, he's a New York City real estate mogul, sustainability advocate, and philanthropist. Alongside his day job as president of top real estate firm River to River Realty, he's often recognized for his work as president of the Atelier Condo, a sustainability-forward luxury building. I find how he has role modeled doing good by doing well a great example for us. As realtor for numerous celebrities, he's collaborated with his network to expand their philanthropic reach and amplify awareness of worthy causes. In 2019, for example, he held a celebrity boxing match with heavyweight champion Evander Holyfield, whose signed boxing gloves were put up for charity auction. By the end of the match, they'd raised over $100,000 for autism awareness. Involved with the nonprofit Room to Grow, which offers structured coaching, material goods, and community connections to support parents and children, he collaborated with Bruce Willis and Uma Thurman to host their annual benefit, and most recently helped adapt the event to a virtual format when COVID-19 would have otherwise made an in-person fundraiser impossible. As a child, he saw the painful reality of homelessness and financial insecurity take a toll on friends and neighbors. Several years ago, he went undercover and lived on the streets for three days, to gain a first-person experience of how it feels to be without shelter and support. Today, he connects those experiencing homelessness with medical care, jobs, and housing. While often pictured in the high life, that is not his roots. I am delighted we have a chance to hear his story today. A warm welcome to my friend, Dan Neidich. Dan, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you, Molly. I really appreciate uh, being on your show. It's a real treat for me and for listeners. I have tons of questions on my mind. But before going there, I want to hand it over to you to share your journey with us. Well, it's a long journey. And uh, I don't know if your show is long enough. But I can sit here and um, give a brief synopsis of part of my journey. It's been um, many years ago now, many years ago, since I grew up in the Bronx in New York, uh, right in the city. And uh, it was a different time back then growing up for me and for the city. I've seen so many changes um, happen here in New York. I'm happy to be a lifelong New Yorker and I will always support my hometown and uh especially the neighborhoods where I grew up. So growing up as a kid, things weren't as easy for me as uh, it would be for, you know, many people in New York. Um, I grew up in a underprivileged family um, where we got our food from food stamps um, we lived in affordable housing and 
it was not an easy time uh, for my family, for me. And, um, but you know what? Growing up like that and seeing the harsh realities of the other side of New York and being in that as a young child really instilled in me the drive I needed to succeed, um, that I had no option, and that to be successful, I had to be my own advocate. And I needed to be there for myself because I had no one else that was there for me that would help guide me on my route there. Um, so being a young kid from the Bronx is really, you know, just being a young kid in general too, there's not much you can really do when you're you know, six years old, seven years old, eight years old. Um, really, I started out just getting food for my family. You know, my first business deal was with our local pizza place. And as a six-year-old, I asked him, I said, can you please, at the end of the night, give your leftover pizza so my family, you know, can have it? And they obliged. Even though there was, wasn't a money transaction, it was still my first, you know, business dealing, so to speak. And that's what we ate. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner was pizza for, you know, for a few years there. Um, but it, it, it was, like I said, growing up was a unique experience. Um, I, I don't want to get into all the details of everything, but I think you have a basis of an idea of, of a picture of where I came from. Um, and you know me now where I am now in, in life. And there's a big, a big change, um, so to speak. Um, so after growing up, you know, I, I, in New York, I ended up, you know, getting into a, a great school. I went to Boston University, uh, which is, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a decent school. I, I thought actually, because my schooling, I wasn't the best student growing up. You know, I missed a lot of school due to family issues, um, and I didn't even think I'd get into any colleges. And then I applied. I think I applied to about 20 of them. And I got into every single one. All 20 schools accepted me. And, and which was, you know, really great start. And to see that people do care. And there was people there. That, you know, obviously the admissions boards said, you know what, this person has a lot to offer, has been through a lot, maybe isn't at where the other kids are at but let's give him a shot. And I was surprised every single school accepted me. So I ended up taking BU on and went to the school there. Um, it was a great place going to college in Boston, such a wonderful college town. Um, and I got into business school. Um, and my, my goal right out of school was to work on Wall Street. I just always saw that as a place to be where I you know, noticed people were successful. I actually interned at Smith Barney um, while I was in college. And I said, that's the course. That's, that's what I want to do. You know, as a kid and going to school, you know, you have your vision of what you think is the right direction for you to go in. But you never really know where life's going to take you. And that, that I knew from growing up, that 
there's always surprises and, and things that will come up. So when I graduated school was in 2001. And my first job was at GE Asset Management, September 2001. A few days into my job, obviously we know what happened. September 11th took place. And uh, they basically laid off all the new hires. So right out of school, my first job, I was laid off within, you know, pretty much a few days, just based on the events that happened in the world back then. It, it was disheartening. And, um, you know, I said to myself, I said, wow, just like that, you know, something happens in life. And look, you, you can be terminated from your job. Um, you know, and I think Wall Street, I, I realized, was susceptible to that. I ended up getting my next job at Barclays Bank, which is a, now people know it's a big English bank back then. It wasn't so popular in the U.S. and not many people heard of it that lived in, in, in the U.S. And, um, you know, after being there for a few months, I was uh, promoted to be a manager. And I was on a trading floor and was on that trading desk for about a year and was managing about 25 people at the time. And then after that, my, uh, my director who was senior to me, and then there was a senior director that was managing, you know, hundred people there, maybe 200 people was laid off. And uh, I'm sorry, they were not laid off. They left to go to Cantor Fitzgerald and um, to, for a better opportunity. Since Cantor was very depleted from 9-11, they were on a hiring spree. And from there, I basically jumped into their roles and um, took on all that extra responsibility of essentially being a managing director of a big bank. They didn't hire anyone else at the time, and they just asked me to step in those roles and run the ship. And I did that for about six months. And pretty much ran that division better than it ever was before. Saved the firm millions and millions of dollars by new processes I put in place. Um, and was working pretty much seven days a week, 15 hours a day. It was a very tough, tough position to jump into. And, uh, but the, it was something that I handled and was motivated to do it and knew I can do it. After those six months, things calmed down, schedules were back to normal, the company was doing great. And I get called into the CEO of, of the America's office. And he said to me, that Dan, hey, you've done a great job. You really stepped up and, you know, saved our asses, so to speak. And he said, but I let you know that we're going to be hiring someone in those positions. And I said, what do you mean? I've been doing this job the last six months. I've done better than 
the previous people that were there. And he says, we all know that you've done great. And, but he said, you're just too young. I said, wow, I'm too young. I said that that should have no relevance in this job. You know, I, I've shown you I could do it and I've done better than anyone else. I've saved your company, you know, the company millions of dollars. And she said, well, sorry, it's just the way it is on Wall Street. I said, wow. Well, I said, you know what? Then I quit. And right there on the spot, I told them that if you're going to hire this person above me, then I'm going to leave. And that's what I did. And they begged me to stay. I said, please, you know, you know, just you got to work under this person, but you're, you'll still be run. I said, you know what? If that's how it is, that matters how old I am. It's not how hard I'm working. It's not what I'm doing for this company. It's my age. Then he said, you know what? I, I, I don't want to be a part of this company anymore. And I said to myself, you know what? The only way to be successful and to really have your own, you don't have to worry about getting laid off. You don't have to worry about people getting hired above you is owning your own company, starting your own firm. And I always loved the real estate business. And I just literally decided within couple of days of that, I was going to open my own real estate company. I had no experience in the real estate business at the time. Um, and just said, let me give it a chance because I, I don't like how these companies or Wall Street treats people. When times are tough, they just fire you. They, you know, they just want you to sit at your desk for 20 years and get promoted. And I saw people just did the bare minimum. And that's not my philosophy. I don't believe in just doing the bare minimum. I believe in actually working hard and doing and accomplishing something. And that's not what I saw in the culture there back then. So I started my company, River to River Realty. Um, you know, this is 20 years ago. And uh, it was just me and just uh, a website. And I started from there. I just opened up my doors. Like I came up with a marketing plan, things I've learned from school and just ideas of how to run a company successfully and the, all, all the pieces. And I did it. I started the company and, um, you know, immediately things started to go very well. Um, you know, the same hard work I was putting in working on wall street, um, was the same effort that I was putting in on my own business now, even more so because now I would actually see the results and the benefits from my hard work. Um, and as years went on, the company kept growing in different directions. You know, as a business leader, you have to identify, you know, the market trends, you have to identify other similar businesses that you can get into that complement your business that could add extra revenue. And I started to do that, getting into construction business and getting into corporate furnished housing business. I was one of the biggest corporate furnished housing vendors, um, you know, in New York, eight, 17, 18 years ago, you know, there was not many people were in that business. Um, and it was something I found a niche in and it did very well. And, uh, you know, now things have changed in that industry. There's just a flood of 
furnished apartments with Airbnb and those other operators that kind of diluted. But I jumped out of that business pretty much a few years ago, seeing that there was this glut of inventory hitting the markets and it just wasn't the same business having those corporate furnished housing. Then I got into investing and any money I would make and commissions, I would invest my money back into the properties. Um, A lot of the commissions that I got, I would actually invest it into the property that I was brokering um, and would take a five, 6% stake in, in the apartment. And from there, which is something I don't think anyone ever did before. Um, and then would take on the management of the properties as well. And that really seemed to be a smart move to reinvest my money into investment properties. And eventually I would buy out all, all those partnerships um, and take over most of those, that inventory. And I would invest in, you know, neighborhoods that I saw that uh, had potential. Um, and I got into investing into the Hamptons and Westchester and really started to expand the business and the company um, and, and broaden its reach. And, um, you know, today I sit on, you know, the president of, of my company. I'm also president, as my, as you said, of the Utility Condo, which I do have um, a lot there. And um, the company now, we manage over a billion dollars in real estate um, across the tri-state area. Um, I have inventory of properties, you know, over that size for myself that I manage as well, my own properties. And, um, you know, the, the business now is a sustainable company that's been in business for 20 years, um, you know, running a New York City real estate company for 20 years and successfully um, getting through multiple recessions and, you know, going through COVID. It, it's never easy. But you know what? When you run your own company, you're able to make those decisions and see the course in front of you and have to go and make the right decisions so you can stay afloat, keep the company moving forward. And that's something that I've done. Um, and, you know, I, I am, people say, are you proud of what you've done? I am proud of, of what I've accomplished from where I came from. Um, and the success, people say, wow, you're very successful. Oh, you have a lot of money. For me, that stuff isn't as important as people may think. For me, it's important to give back to the communities that I grew up in, in the Bronx, like Room to Grow, where I did work with Bruce Willis and Uma Thurman at at, at that charity. And we would raise tons of money and I hosted events with them um, to raise money for the kids in the Bronx. You know, those same kids that I was one of them and I know where they are and how a lot of times they feel that they're hopeless and there's no getting out of their family situation or their life situation. But I've shown that there is hope and there is a way to get out. You just have to really put your mind to it and you can accomplish anything. Um, And that's something that I like to instill in children that let them know that there's hope and let them know one of them, one of their own has made it. And um, that's really where my driving force is these days is more on the philanthropist side 
of, of my life and, and I'm still, you know, running a company, but I'm more hands off than I used to be. So I can focus on this effort to really make the world a better place. And, and, and New York as well. I, I'm the chairman of the Max Alexander Foundation. Um, we're uh, an organization that helps build schools in Africa because everyone needs a chance. You know, not not just people in New York. I really wanted to broaden my reach on my charitable efforts as well, and that that's very important to me. That kids around this world that don't have the opportunities we have being in the United States to even just have a school. So those are the type of things that drive me these days. Um, And yeah, I get a lot from people say, Oh, you know, this celebrity, you know, that celebrity, you know, what celebrities, they're, they're people too. But the ones that I associated with are ones that actually want to help others and do care and uh, use their celebrity for good and can make a difference. And those, those are people I respect. And yeah, I do choose to be friends with them. And, you know, if, if that's, if our goals are aligned in, in business and in, you know, philanthropist side of things. Um, and today, um, just happy, you know, I'm in New York and, uh, you know, I, my, my future from here forward is going to try to make the world a better place and, and do what I can and, and do my part. And, um, I uh, want to thank you again for you know having me speak and, and give give a chance to let people know where I came from and a little bit at least. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm happy to hear any other questions you have. Ugh. I am so moved by you, my friend. Big, big hug. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, you think you have a sense of your friends, folks, and then you're like, wow, you really don't know. And um, what a, what an incredible journey. I have thousands of questions. I, um, you know, w- what comes to me going through this tough stuff as a kid, this confidence, you know, the, the, the pizza, you know, the, you know, was that something you recall because sometimes naivete serves you well. Was it a fear-based thing? Was it a need thing where you were just, I'm going to provide? I'm just wondering if you recall, um, and not to bring back any pain, you know, just what, was it just kind of a necessity thing that you just were out to like do what you could? Yeah, it, it was a necessity. Um, my parents were not able to take care of themselves. Um, so, Essentially, I, I raised myself. Um, we didn't have much. Uh, my parents weren't around a lot. Um, they had some substance abuse issues. And um, there'd be times that I didn't see them for months at a time. You know, it's different back then in the 80s. There was social services, maybe it was around, but no one really did anything no one stepped in and said anything you know i would get myself to school um i would do my homework there'd be times that i'd miss school uh you know a lot of school because my parents would take me you know and uh make me you know stay out late with them and i just wasn't able to even wake up for school but um 
it was a different time. It was a different time. But yeah, everything that I had to do was necessity based. Um, you know, I, I didn't have the essentials. I didn't have, I didn't have a toothbrush. You know, I, I didn't have uh, clothes. I had to wear pretty much the same clothes and no one clean the clothes. Like the basic things that you would think that you would have, uh, I didn't have. So when I had to get food, it's because we really had no food and my parents would sell our you know, food stamps and use their welfare money for other stuff. Um, so it, it was tough. There wasn't much to do but to survive and just to get by and to make sure that, you know, I was able to eat. I would walk to school with a pizza pizza in my hand and put it in my cubby when I got to school. I didn't have a backpack. I didn't have a lunchbox. That's what I would come to school with, with a piece of pizza in my hand. Um, and that's what I would eat. Wow. You know, at the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. I would just say the kids would say, wow, that's so cool. He's bringing his own pizza to school today. But, you know, you would see the teachers and they really didn't say anything. They really never got involved. Um, you know, it just was a different time back then where people kind of minded their own business and didn't really step up to help a kid in need, which, you know, for me, I'm, I guess I could say I'm happy if everything turned out the way it did. So I don't look down or I'm not upset at anyone that they didn't do anything or, but it is what it is. This is how my life was. And I had to make very critical decisions and things at such a young age. And I saw a lot of disturbing things at such a young age that it really, it opened my mind and maybe made me smarter and wiser or whatever you want to say. But it just, when you're that young and you have to go through very harsh realities, it, it motivates you. It makes you motivated. And I think it, it, it makes you, that makes that drive. And this, at least for me, it made that drive in me that, you know, I wanted a different life and I wanted to, you know, make something of myself. And I don't want to be judged based on what my parents did or what my family did. I, I never want to be judged based on that. And I don't think any child should be judged based on decisions that their family makes or parents make. It's unfortunate that that happens. Sometimes you're judged in that way when people would look at you, you know, and shake their head and like, who's this dirty kid? And, you know, they look at you like you're a piece of garbage. And that's why I did go undercover as a, a homeless person, you know, to really, as an adult, experience it, to see what people really go through in life and the harsh realities of life. Not everyone is privileged. Not everyone has the opportunities um, that people have. A lot of people have to make their own luck and make their own opportunities in life like me. Um, and that's, you know, why I do the things that I do. It, I have just a motivation behind what I've been through that kind of guides me through the future. The sense of purpose is crystal clear. Do you recall feeling sorry for yourself, not being bitter? When I hear you, you know, I, I, I know how you've taken the high road. You've made yourself stronger for these struggles, all that like perfect stuff. But I'm just wondering if you recall, you know, just feeling sorry for yourself and woe is me or did you just not have time? I never had time to feel sorry for myself. I never looked at things like that. 
you know, I always looked at my situation as a learning experience and never a pity party. I never asked anyone for, you know, uh, any pity of what I went through. I mean, I've known you all these years and never spoke to you a word about any of this. And it's not something I go and talk about and, and I'm kind of keeping the specifics and the details um, very minimal here. I'm, I'm really giving you scratching just a, a really bit of the surface. There's a lot, a lot that I saw and a lot that happened that I, I won't be getting into today. I hope you understand that, but just, just want to kind of give the basis here, yeah. but I, I, I don't, I don't feel sorry. I feel sorry for that child, me, you know, I feel sorry for what that kid went through and it, it's sad at times looking back, but I, that that's something that, you know, I'll always have inside me. I'll always have that, that young kid that went through those, those harsh realities of life. And, you know, and like I said, it just makes you a stronger per- person as an adult. Yes, I, it has made you, and I think that is not to be um, overstated because it's not, that doesn't happen. You know, lots of times there's folks who don't find the way, don't have the inner will and the drive. So it's just, you know, it's, I look just with this extra glimpse into you, I just can see your wherewithal, right? And that's, uh, it helps me to see how you have been able to stay high and you make the most and you're so true to your values. I want to go to the early job, you know, and this sets a lot for a young person to have lost the job and then to have the kind of work experience, um, you know, and I I guess I hope it's evolved, you know, on Wall Street. But having the the just going and saying, I'm quitting and never looking back also says a lot. And was that a naivete thing? Was that an emotional thing? Or was that just wisdom early wisdom when you think back about just saying I quit you know Molly I've always followed my gut and my first reactions have always served me right um you know going back from a kid to now I have good judgment with decisions and for me it it wasn't as hard a decision as you think even though I was doing great I was moving up very fast. I was the youngest manager that they had in the company. You know, I think it was like 20,000 employees in New York at the time, or I don't know the exact number, but I was the youngest manager. I was promoted very early and I was moving up quick and I showed them what I'm capable of. But the fact that they could just really dismiss you like that and, you know, just show you that it doesn't matter how hard you work doesn't matter how smart you are, it's how long you're there. And to me, that wasn't good enough. And I knew that it wasn't really a hard decision to quit. Yeah, should I have had a backup plan in place? Probably. But you know what? I've always worked better with my back against the wall and a gun to my head and have no options. And I knew that I'd find a way. And it only took a couple of days to get there, you know, um, to think it through. You know, it took a couple of weeks to really organize and structure and 
you know, get things up and, you know, get my website running and, you know, little things took time, but I knew what I wanted to do. I said, I want to, I want to be a business owner. I want to be, I want to own my own company. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to listen and take orders from anyone else. It just doesn't work for me. I was never able to as a kid either. I couldn't listen to people telling me what to do, especially when they had no experience and, and I had real life experience and I've seen real things. So it's always been difficult to listen. I, I could always listen and learn from people that actually are knowledgeable and, and something. And I love learning from other people, but there's times where you're just like, Hey, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. And I'm not listening to this nonsense. And that, 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 that was me. That was just classic me. People that know me would say, is that, you know, quitting and just finding a way and making something out of nothing. Literally, I had just the money I saved up from when I was working at Barclays, took that money and, and started a business, you know. Um, and there's not a day goes by that I don't regret that, obviously. That changed my life. I wouldn't be where I am today if I was working at a bank and was, even if I was CEO of a bank, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, what I've accomplished and where I've got to all came from that one day when, you know, I made that decision to quit and um, put me in a position to be a philanthropist at, at my age, which I'm, I'm proud of to, to do that. And I don't think I ever would have got there working at a bank. You know, not that there's anything wrong with working at a bank and being a part of a, a big company, but there's nothing like, being your own boss. There's nothing um, I encourage it for all young people or entrepreneurs to, to try to succeed at it. It's, it's, it's worth the risk to invest in yourself and, you know, not everyone's capable of it. I understand that. But I, when I go and I speak to schools, I go and, 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 you know, every year I talk to, um, you know, schools in New York and I talk to the kids and, Tell them that, listen, you can do anything. You can achieve anything. You just have to put your mind to it. I love that you don't suffer fools well and this never looking back. I know you learn from it, but you're always forward in motion. I'd love to switch gears because your business acumen, clearly you are able to see what other people don't see or you've seen it, see it sooner in terms of trends. And so, you know, here you are this young just put up a shingle have a website so just share with people you know hey i'm gonna start a business what did you do actually to get out there how were you reaching out to people you know getting some modicum of credibility when you really didn't know what you were doing i mean i would love for folks to get a glimpse into that I'm not going to say I didn't know what I was doing because I've read a lot on it. I, I've experienced real estate just being in New York, kind of a little bit about, especially when I was looking for apartments and kind of got a sense of what, what these people are doing. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I started with the website. First, I had to come up with a name and I just liked River to River, East River to the Hudson River. And I was just like, you know, this is encompasses the city. Um, and it just sounded like a name that, you know, people and it sounded familiar even though it wasn't mm-hmm. and I, I think you have to try to act 
as if you're a bigger establishment and company than you really are in the beginning. Um, you know, show that this is something you've been doing for years, have the confidence in that. I think people recognize that I was able to, you know, show that I knew what I was talking about. Um, maybe I wasn't fully up to speed on everything, but I really had a grasp for what the business entailed. And yeah, in the beginning, it, it was just advertising, you know, back then was really like Craigslist and smaller things that, you know, free advertising spaces to just get the phones ringing, you know, and building relationships with people and, and bonds. I started as, as, as a, as a broker, I got my real estate license, um, you know, pretty quick. I took the test and studied within a very short period of time. I actually had my salesperson license when I was 18. I got it. I don't know why I did it. I just got it to get it. And I really didn't even do one deal. I didn't do anything with it. So I actually had the studied for it previously. Um, so that actually paid off for me doing that because then I was able to jump in as a broker um, right away. But um, yeah, and just very small deals at first and, and just getting my feet wet. And then it just really started to transform into larger deals and bigger commissions and things were rolling pretty rapidly. And then in identifying the need for furnished housing, I would take invent my own inventory of, of apartments and furnish them. And, you know, back then you can mark up three 300% the rent by having a, you know, a shorter term furnished apartment. It was just something that other people, very few people were doing. Um, and I've since been copied um, from then, but uh, you know, that was a big thing too. And I had some big corporate clients, Ernst and Young, I had hundred apartments with them, you know, and Deloitte and some other big banks and Broadway shows would all come to me for their corporate furnished housing. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the word got around that I had really furnished nice apartments. Um, I didn't really have any decorating experience, but I just kind of knew what looked good and what people liked. And that was the type of furniture that I would buy. Um, it was a very profitable side of the business, that business, you know, in addition to the brokerage side and, you know, and then eventually getting into construction and then investing and then management. It was just kind of step-by-step things took their time and developed and, you know, very rapidly though. Uh, the growth happened pretty quickly. That is spectacular. So we all know we learn the most from our mistakes. I'm curious, a few things that uh, you might look back as great learning moments um, share with folks. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's going to be times where, you know, you make a couple missteps, but you got to correct them right away, which I think anytime I made a misstep in life, I've corrected them. Um, I, I don't, I like to think it doesn't happen very often, but anyone in business, when you're in business, you can, you know, maybe make a wrong decision about which direction the, you know, economy is going in the real estate market. And is it the right time to invest? Is it the wrong time? And, um, you know, there's been times where, you know, you can miscalculate a little bit, but 
the the smart people and the successful ones are the ones that can use that and use it as a learning experience so you never make the same mistake twice and i think that's something as an entrepreneur that's very important is to learn from mistakes and learn from missteps and you know uh not evaluating the entire picture of a situation or or you know events that take place in the world it kind of all affects the real estate market here in new york so you really have to be a person a worldly person and really know what's going on around the world to understand your marketplace in new york because we are such a big attraction to the world and there's people from all over the world that invest in new york um so if you have countries that are having issues you're like well how come those people aren't coming the same people that i had buy 30 apartments from me why aren't they buying anymore and you know oh because their their economy is in turmoil or you know they're having a war in their country so you know you just gotta have your eyes open but you know mistakes will happen it's just how you correct them that changes your future yeah yeah, a big part of uh, many things I marvel about you, but one in particular is your ability to read people, to connect with them. And just share with listeners maybe some of the learnings or, you know, how how is it, you know, that how do you find your ability to just get a sense of what people, um, you know, are about, maybe to weed out folks that, you know, you just don't think are good for you. Love some thoughts on that. I think just from my upbringing, I think I grew up having to make decisions about people that you hang out with very quickly and know who's a good person, who's not. Um, I think that I'm able to do that. A lot of time within minutes of meeting someone, I'm like, this is a good person or, you know what, this is someone I need to stay away from. This is not someone who's good. Um, you know, and, and then, that happens. Those people that you, you dismiss because you know they're not good people, it rubs them the wrong way. And sometimes they'll turn into, you know, people that will be an adversary. But for me, I know when someone's a good person to have in your life and someone that's not, um, whatever the consequences of, of you know, I, I don't, I'm not around the bush. I'm very blunt and I believe that's the way to be and straightforward. And um, just from my upbringing, I met a lot of different types of people. You know, I met a lot of con men and bad people. And you kind of have that sense. And I can see right through, I can look in someone's eyes and you just know, I just, I just know this is good person. This is someone I want to do business with. This is someone I want to be around. Or you look at someone like these are bad people. I need to stay away, you know, and you're always going to have, people try to attack you in business. I've had it happen. Everyone's had it happen. For me, it doesn't phase me. And I think that's what bothers the people that are out to get you even more is when they see you're not phased and it doesn't even bother you and you work through it and, and, you know, you come out on top each time, you know, because when you're a survivor and you know how to get through bad situations, you'll always end up on top when you think things through. Yeah. Spectacular. Dan, the idea of um, helping the world be better through your philanthropic work, you know, you're a business savvy guy. And so think, share with us how you have thought about 
your philanthropic, if you will, strategies or approach, right? Because you can't help everybody do everything. And I'm just curious right. um, how you could have been so intentional about where you put your time and your, and your money. So as you mentioned in the intro, so eloquently uh, about my fight with Evander Holyfield, um, you know, that was a great experience to get people involved in our knockout autism efforts. Me and Evander, who's become a very good friend. Um, I had another fight with Sugar Ray Leonard. And, um, you know, we knocked out diabetes and raised money for that cause. I used a lot of sports, celebrity, um, to kind of make that relevant in my goals of helping children and helping causes that are dear to my heart. Um, and, uh, you know, I threw out the first pitch at three major league baseball games, um, which, you know, was a great experience for me, but it was also great because the reason I was asked to throw out those pitches because I did so much for those charities and, and those are charities that were children charities to try to help people in those communities um, for those, those teams or, um, you know, and I, I just put my efforts into causes, like I said, that are dear to me, Kingsbridge Heights community center. I hosted an event uh, for them. It's a great community center in the Bronx that does a lot for the kids there um, really helps build their, strengths in learning and community and gives them a place to go to. And um, those are things that I, I really take pride in. Um, also my charity that, you know, I'm the chairman of that, that builds schools in Africa. I just take everything that I see that can do the most good and can make immediate impact on helping these children and, give them either a place to learn or you know, help kids get a surgery they need, whatever it is, those are the things that I kind of put my money into and put my time into things that can actually give immediate impact. And I don't like to just give money blind. Um, I like to actually be a part of the charities and, and bring something to the table that helps them grow um you know i got on stage with julia lewis dreyfus and stephen colbert for the montclair charity that day that stephen's a big part of that helps kids in that community learn about film and and helps them you know underprivileged kids to get into you know that industry you know and was on stage in front of three thousand people and was able to you know, talk to the crowd about charity and, and giving back. And it, it was a great experience um, to do that. And those are the type of things that I like to do to, to make the biggest reach and impact possible, you know, so you can really help as many as you can. Ah, we want more of you. That's spectacular. Okay, let's segue to... To say it's skillfully part of the show. And folks, this is one of the more skillful uh, people I know. And I know you have often 
Dan have to let down people with um, not great expectations? And I'm sure listeners, you may have been one of these people who uh, didn't have great expectations. So just love to hear, Dan, how you've, you know, are able to tell it to people in a way that they can receive it and, and move forward. Well, I think when you're giving someone something news that they don't want to hear, I think the best way to do it is to be straightforward, not be around the bush and just get right to it. And, um, you know, I'm not one to coddle them and, and to baby someone. I, uh, I believe the best way to do it is just kind of tear off the bandaid and that's it. This is what it is. You know, yeah, it might hurt for a second, but let's think of a way to fix whatever the situation is, you know, the bad news. Why don't we work together to find a way to make it the best possible? Um, and I think that's what makes the difference uh, is the approach, but also the aftermath of how to accomplish and change or fix whatever the issue is. That's what separates the men from the boys. I love the solution focus. Oh, we could go on and on and on. So let's um, bring it to a little bit of a, a wrap. If you were to step back, what might be three words or three phrases, Dan, that best describe you? Oh, three words or phrases. Well, it's tough. It's tough to, to kind of isolate, but I would say three, I'll go with the words. I think three words, you know, determined is, is, is one. And I've always been very determined um, with whatever I got involved with, whether it's determined in business or in life or, you know, in, in charity efforts, you know, that that determination uh, has never wavered. Um, I think strength. Um, I'm not scared, <laughs> you know, of anything or anyone. I uh, have the strength to survive through any situation. Um, sometimes it's, uh, you know, it, it gets tough and hard, but when you've had your back against the wall before at young ages, you always find a way to supersede and to come through on top. Um, and the last word would just be a, a giver. You know, I, I give my time uh, to friends and family and people that I'm helping and to the charities. And, you know, I think giving your time is more valuable than giving money. You know, being someone that actually comes up with solutions to problems than just throws money at a problem. That is a big issue that I've seen with homelessness in New York is that the city just throws money at the issue and puts them into hotels and doesn't look back where, you know, I'm coming up with ideas of how to meet them, connect with them on the street, how to then give them a job, give them an apartment, 
and watch them succeed and be a part of society instead of a pariah that they put in a hotel room for $1,000 a night. Give them a job, give them an apartment, and watch how you see how people from the street can actually grow. You know, these are the things that I like to put my time into um, and dedicate to. And that, that brings me strength is coming up with solutions to problems that are very easy, I think, for me to see. But people don't want to put the time in or the the thought into actually making a better situation, a better solution to, a, a you know, especially some of these long lasting problems that we have in society. Yeah, thank you for that. Dan, you have accomplished much and there's much more in the future. I am curious, is there a particular proudest accomplishment thus far? You know, I, I'd say my accomplishment is uh, being able to give back at, at a young age and to focus on my ph- philanthropist efforts uh, in life. And being able to do that is my biggest accomplishment, to, to be able to give back you know, to the communities, especially some that I grew up in. Um, you know, being able to speak to the kids that are going through tough times now and, you know, do my small part to try to help motivate them and let them see that there's another side to life. A lot of them just feel hopeless. So I think that's my proudest thing in my life is being able to help the children that are in need the best that I can. You can't save everyone, unfortunately. I would love to, but do my part. And I hope that everyone out there and everyone's listening does their part, whatever that may be, you know, that means volunteering somewhere and donating to a cause that you believe in. But if everyone had this mindset and this philosophy to give back and to dedicate themselves to helping one other person, this world would be a lot better place. There wouldn't be wars. There wouldn't be, you know, struggles, homelessness. You know, it, it would be a, a world that I think all of us would be proud of seeing every single person, you know, succeed, at least have the basic essentials to survive. And that's something I, I would like to spread the word and maybe, you know, as best I can kind of recruit more people to what I've been doing. And I have over the years lots of friends and people out there, colleagues that I've met that I've got them involved in the charities and they weren't involved before and got them, you know, to help in their way and whatever specialties that they can bring to the table. And um, that's something I look forward to doing, you know, for the rest of my life. Spectacular. One last question, Dan, what was it like for you to share your journey with us today? You know, Molly, you are such a remarkable, special person. And, um, you know, I'm proud just to, you know, be your friend and to, you know, be here talking today. It's, it's an honor. And, um, you know, I'm happy that I can share at least a small part of what I've seen. And I hope there's someone who's listening that it, it does help motivate them and, and um, makes a difference 
in someone else's life that they're able to or in their life. And, um, you know, I'm happy that I'm able to share that with you, you know, and um, maybe down the road, you know, I'll be able to share more and get into more details of what I've been through. And I think eventually I will. We'll get there and um, get the full story out. And uh, I'm happy that this was a starting point because I don't really speak too much about my past. And, you know, I, I wanted to give your listeners a taste of, you know, someone that's been down that, that brought themselves up and, you know, it's a, it's a story that, you know, hopefully can, like I said, motivate someone out there. And I'm happy I was able to share it with you, Molly, my friend. You have helped me. You have helped many listening and many more to come. I appreciate you, Dan, for joining me, sharing so generously with us uh, and for your incredible support of our community and our world. I'm always cheering for you and inspired how you are part of the solution in creative and meaningful ways. And if I can be a tiny bit helpful, you let me know. You take good care. Thank you, Molly. Really appreciate it. Oh, folks, my thought for the week, courtesy of Dan, put your mind to it. You can accomplish anything. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Dan's voice. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in your life. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.